Oh, it's good to see everybody today. Good to, good to be back. Um, I've been uh, just growing excitement for Sundays lately. Like, I think that's good for a lot of us because I feel like we have missed it. And uh, just to hear people say they're excited is good. It's good, good. So we're back in our conversation series today. Really, really neat uh, passage that we'll talk about. And even, even for you kiddos that are here, there's a lot of physical stuff going on, a lot of action. And so uh, hopefully you'll be able to to kind of keep up, but I know you got your coloring sheets too, and so keep doing that. I love hearing the paper just kind of jingle, especially, you know, not jingle, paper doesn't jingle, but crinkle, crinkle, you know, kind of like the, uh, this is terrible, but the older lady that you grew up with in church that always had the peppermint, you know, it's a similar sound, except now it's crayons, and so it's music to our ears, so we're glad to hear it. Um, Man, a couple quick updates, community groups, start back this week, Okay. That's exciting. Uh, it's, it's a little scary, but it's, it's mostly exciting. And so if you want to find those, you can go to originsgreenville.org and go to Connect. If you're on your desktop and it'll pull up community groups, but you can find it on the mobile too, you'll see where they're all going to be. Make sure you read kind of everything about them because some groups are meeting every other week. Some are meeting weekly. Uh, all the contact information is there, um, but we're going to meet. Most are going to probably be backyard for now, um, just because that's where most people are going to feel safe, and so we're going to try to appeal to the most people that we can, um, because we do want people to feel safe, and so check those out. If you plan on going, this would be the big ask. Shoot uh, the leader a message, like email them, say, hey, I plan to be there, because uh, we kind of want to get an idea, and it doesn't mean, like, if you haven't been in community groups, if you land on one the first week and it's not your jam, that's okay. Find another jam or a jelly, but just pick one um, and, and bounce around until you find one that kind of fits your mojo, and, and that's fine. Uh, but we do have five we're launching with. Uh, we're going to be as creative as we need to be. We're going to be as flexible as we need to be, um, but, man, we, we feel, and I think Scripture uh, attests to it, that it's important that we're together, and so we're going to do that. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Mark chapter 4. We talk about the differences of the Synoptic Gospels uh, a decent amount, that Matthew was the most Jewish of the Gospel, Luke being the most universal, Mark being the most action-packed, like the Michael Bay of the Gospels. Today is one of those stories, Um, and so it's good. And today, there's probably only, since we're in the conversation series about people that exchanged uh, verbal stuff with Jesus, like today that happens, there's probably only six lines of that, and there's one that's very, very interesting in this particular passage we're going to look at. and so let me pray, and we're going to jump, we're going to jump right in. God, we love you. Uh, we thank you for loving us. We thank you, God, that your word is, is true, that your word is trustworthy, um, and God, that you work through it. God, I pray that you would use it today to, to train our hearts, to maybe break our hearts, maybe turn our hearts. Um, but God, I pray that you would use it today uh, in us. And uh, wherever we are, if we're here in person, if we're at home, if we're listening two days from now, wherever it may be, God, I pray that you would speak um, not because these words are coming from a man, but because they've come from you, and we're grateful for them. We love you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. I will say, like from a dad note, it's so good to see my kids sitting out there and my wife. Um, that's the first time this has happened since March, and so I'm going to try to hold it together, but we all know how good I am at that. Um, <clears throat> so we're going to give it the old college try. I'm just going to look at Manly Abrams' beard every time I start to well up, and, uh, and we're going to be good. And I'm not going to pick on you a single other time today, man. That's it. You've you've served your purpose. So Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Let's go ahead and read this whole story, and then we'll go back through and talk about it just a little bit. It says, On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side, speaking of the Sea of Galilee. And leaving the crowd, he took him uh, with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. 
And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing or drowning? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the sea, uh, rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who is this, or who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? And so we have some exchanges of words here. We have Jesus talking to the disciples. We have Jesus talking back to the disciples. Then we have Jesus talking to the wind and the sea. And then Jesus talking to the disciples again. And then the disciples kind of talking to one another. And so there's, there's words going back and forth in all crazy directions. Um, and, and then there's just that interesting place kind of towards the tail end of it in which Jesus doesn't talk to people at all. He talks to the wind and the sea and they listen. So pretty crazy stuff. And so first, I want to give us just an idea as to where they are, what's going on. Um, Jesus had just recently wrapped up, like, the Sermon on the Mount. He had been uh, teaching. He had been healing. Like we talked about last week, he had already raised someone from the dead. He had healed people of sickness. He had been teaching with wisdom that he should not have. And he had been teaching the disciples very directly. In the previous chapter, in, as we see it in Mark, he was even telling them why he's using parables. And he's even explaining to them and pulling them aside. And every time he speaks in parable, the crowd may not understand, and he knows the disciples may not, so he pulls them aside. And he's like, look, let me tell you what I was exactly saying, because I want you to know first. Because you're going to be taking it out, you're going to be teaching, so I really want you to understand. And so he's taught them so much, they've seen so much. And then there comes a point where he's like, okay we got to get away. We're surrounded by crowds. They're all around. So let's, let's go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee was this body of water that was kind of in a valley. Um, and as a result of where it was, like it was prone to quick like storms, like crazy, crazy storms that would just come out of nowhere. But, you know, it just so happens that most of the guys that he was sending across by trade, they were fishermen. So they should be able to handle it. No big deal. Um, And so the Sea of Galilee, normally it would take about two hours to get across. Um, If you were just kind of in a boat with a little bit of wind and a little bit of oar, you could get across in two hours. For us today, it'd be a little bit quicker. Uh, But imagine a two-hour ferry ride on a body of water that's prone to quick flash storms. So it says that on that day, he says, let us go across to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him with them in a boat just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. And so the first thing that we need to understand is like this storm was not just a drizzle-dizzle. Like it wasn't just a little bit of rain. It wasn't anything like that. It was enough to scare like seasoned fishermen. Like it was freaking them out. And it was bad. It says waves are already coming over into the boats. Like most modern boats now, you know, if, even if they fill with water, um, unless it's an aluminum boat, it's still going to float, which there's a little bit of peace in that. Um, I was uh, shrimping with a buddy, uh, Lee Clamp, probably four years ago out of Hilton Head. And I've been on the water like most of my life. You know, every type of body of water, been out deep sea, been in lakes, been in rivers, uh, been in rivers so small that fish shouldn't live. And so I, I love fish, and so I'm going to chase them. Uh, but this particular year, uh, we went out... And uh, we were on just kind of this bay in which uh, the water's deep, and then it pushes up onto a shallow mud flat, and that's where you wanted to catch shrimp. And so we were shrimping. And we looked out in the beginning, and we saw a lot of boats, and they were doing the same thing. And it was probably 80 degrees, kind of balmy uh, for the coast. And then all of a sudden, a couple things happened. Number one, we looked around, boats were gone. And we were kind of like, hmm, that's, that's weird. All the boats are gone. And then all of a sudden, the temperature dropped like 15 degrees. It went from like 80 to 65, and it was a little chilly with wind. And we were like, man, 
That's really weird. And then in the distance, we saw a transformer hit by lightning and explode. And we were like, man, it just keeps getting weirder. And as soon as that came out of our mouth, it's like someone like flipped a switch. It wasn't drip, drip, drip. It was just like, I mean, it went nuts. And so we were out there. It was me and one of my brothers and our buddy Lee, who was the professional amongst us when it came to shrimping. And we're in like a a 20-foot bay boat, like a pretty stable boat. But I remember thinking at one point, we're going to die. Like, we're going to die. Because the other thing about it is when you go shrimping like this, you use these fiberglass poles and you use them as markers. And these belong to Lee's dad. And Lee's dad had passed away the year before. So this was a special trip. And Lee was like, we're not leaving our poles. And I'm like, well, it's, it's the poles or us. We may die. And he's like, no, we're not leaving the poles. And so, like, I got on the bow of the boat and locked my feet under a, suit, uh, under a seat, and we would drive by and we'd grab the poles and try to pull them up. And so, basically, it was me holding on to the pole, him giving it throttle to use it to pull the poles up. So, we got all ten. And then what took us ten minutes to get out from the landing took us, like, two hours to get back. And so the whole time, we're freezing. Every now and then, we would laugh, but it was like that nervous laughter of, (laughs) we're going to die. Like, it was just scary. Like, waves would come, and they would come over the front of the boat, into the boat, and we were just like, "Mm, well, this this could be it. Way to go, Lee. Thank you. If you're listening, Lee, thank you so much. Um, And it was just one of the scariest, like, really, one of the scariest experiences of my life. And and I I wouldn't put myself on the same level as, as these fishermen that did this all their life in rowboats with nets, and they did it for a living. Like, I've done it for fun, so I could leave any time I wanted. But it was just, it was scary, like scary, because it was wind and waves, things that I had no control over, things that I could not tell to stop, things that I could not affect, and I'm in this little bitty boat in the middle of a big giant body of water that's saying, we're going to kill you. And it was just scary. The disciples were there. This night, they were there. And they had seen so many things before, but in this moment, fear had overtaken the disciples. You know, the funny thing, um, there's a couple funny things that, that are going on here. The first thing is that we have to note is that Jesus said, let us go. And so the disciples, they were scared even though Jesus was in the boat with them. Like, he was, in, he was in the front or the back of the boat, either way, on a cushion, and he was slawing logs. He was asleep. And even though Jesus was with them, they were afraid. I think the first thing that we have to note about this story, and it's going to confront in us, is that very often we believe that when we're following Jesus, there will be no storms. We believe that if we're with Jesus, that if we're in the boat with Jesus, there will be no storms. But I think, to the contrary, we have to understand, we have to take note. If we look at the whole of Scripture, we look at the words of Jesus, we look from the beginning all the way to the end, uh, we'll see that there are great assurances that, yes, we can be with Jesus, and if we're assured that we're with Jesus, we can be assured that storms are going to come. They're going to be there. They're going to come in the form of fiery trials like we looked at and we, we talked about in First Peter uh, just a couple months ago. They're going to come in the form of persecution, which we see all throughout the New Testament. Uh, they're going to come in the form of just the fact that we live in a broken, sinful world like storms are going to come. And so we can bet on it. Uh, Tony Evans, who, like, he's just one of the voices that I listen to on a, on a fairly frequent basis because he's, he's kind of a mix between the pastor that gets you pumped up and then the pastor that gives like deep theological knowledge and he's good and also his podcast are like 24 minutes which is also really really good for me and he says you can be both in the center of God's will and in a storm and you can um, and as a matter of fact I think sometimes being in God's will is the very reason that the storms come Like, it's the very reason that storms come. 
Like, I think the world, as it is, being ruled by the prince of the power of the air, Satan, is conspiring against everything that God is doing. Everything that God is doing, everything good, the world will come after that. And if we are in the will of God, and which is in opposition to the will of the world, the world will come after us. The powers of this world will come after us. It can come in the form of persecution. It can come in the form of, of just a lot of different things, but it will come after us. But here's the thing that we need to remember in this is that uh, we are privileged enough that we get to be with Jesus in the middle of the storm, that we get to be with Jesus in the middle of the storm. And it can be anything. Like it can be, man, uh, it can just just watching over the past couple of years, uh, families that are around us, it can be loss of a parent. It can be loss of, uh, of a loved one. It can be, um, man, it can be a miscarriage, which are terrible things that, that we know. It's hard. It can be huge loss. But the beauty of that is, just as assured as we are that storms will come, we're even more so assured that Jesus will be with us. He will be with us. But here's the second thing that I think we have to note about fear. And if we go through the Bible and we look uh, in some form or fashion, there's 365 times in which it says, do not fear or do not be afraid or have no fear or be courageous, the opposite of fear, 365 times. I think the reason that that is there is because what fear does is fear makes us forget. Fear makes us forget. Like, understand, the disciples, they had been walking, talking, breathing with Jesus uh, for a while now. They had seen some amazing things. They had seen him do crazy things for them. They had seen him do crazy things in other people. They had heard him teach. They had seen the response of the crowd. They had seen all of these things. But in the middle of the boat, when the storm comes and the waves are crashing over the bow of the boat, even though Jesus is in the boat with them, they're scared for their life. They're scared for their life. Fear makes us forget. Fear makes us forget. Fear makes us forget all of the times in our past in which, man, God was right there. And even though the storm was bad, He was bigger. Fear makes us forget that even in the darkest days that we possibly had, uh, in the midst of loss, Jesus was still there to tell us that He was better. Fear makes us forget that, that maybe even just last week, there was something that was impossible and God made it possible. Fear makes us forget all of those things. All of those things. And we see it in the disciples here because they, right here, it says, um, and a great windstorm arose, verse 37, the waves were breaking into the boat so the boat was already filling, but he was in the stern asleep on his cushion. And they woke him and they said to him, teacher, rabbi, do you not care that we are perishing? Fear even makes us forget that God doesn't want us to perish. Fear makes us forget that that God is our biggest ally, our best ally, and He's working together all things for the good of those who love Him and who are called according to His purpose. Fear makes us forget. Now, we can't look at the disciples here and honestly like slight, him, slight them in this moment. We can't say, oh, you silly disciples, because I promise, if I was there, been there, like I wasn't thinking in the midst of that boat in Hilton Head that, oh, God's going to deliver me. No, I was thinking, we're going to die. I'm going to die. I would have told you two hours previous, yeah, Jesus is my rock. I'm good. He's my anchor. He's all of those cliches. He's all of those things. But when the waves are coming in and your buddy's screaming, grab the poles, uh, you think you're going to die and you quickly forget, man, God's always been there. He's never let me down. Not a single time. So we can't slight the disciples here. Like they were being completely human. Is it wrong? 
Yes, because their faith was being weak. But at the same time, man, we've all been there. And we'll probably all be there again because fear makes us forget. But he was in the stern and they said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and he, awoke, and he rebuked the wind and the sea. And he just said, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was great calm. And the other assurance that we have in the middle of fear, in the middle of the storm, is that Jesus just doesn't speak to people. Like, this is, this is one of these oddities in Scripture. Like, Jesus just doesn't speak to people, but Jesus even has power over circumstance. Jesus has power over life and death, over my heart, over your heart, but he also has power over circumstance. And in the middle of it, when we're so afraid that we see the circumstance over God's providence and God's provision, it's okay. Because Jesus even talks to the winds and the waves. It blows my mind. It blows my mind. After all, he did, according to John 1, like he wasn't just there in the beginning, but he was the beginning, and he made it all from him. There was nothing made that he didn't make. And so why wouldn't it listen? Why wouldn't it stop when he said stop? Why wouldn't the wind shut off? He made the wind. Why wouldn't the waves cease? He made the waves. Why wouldn't peace come? Because he is peace. Man, the beauty is Jesus is in the boat with us, but Jesus also can speak to anything, anywhere, at any time. So fear may be big. Fear may make us forget. But Jesus, Jesus is bigger. But then Jesus has another conversation. So after the wind ceased and there was a great calm, he said to them, he said, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? Or do you still not believe in me? Remember, from the very beginning, he said, let us go. He's like, I'm in the boat with you. What do you think is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen? Man, I think there's a couple things, and I'm trying to keep this short for the kids that are here today because I know they've, they've got just enough to make it, and we're grateful. You guys are doing good. Um, but what do we do when, when the circumstance is scarier than our faith is big? Like, what do we do? Um, Man, I think the first thing is this, and, and the disciples didn't do it here, but I think we have the opportunity to do so. I, I think we just need to remember. Like, we just need to stop, and we need to think. Like, hindsight being 2020, being exactly what it is, I think in the middle of the worst, I think we need to look back to other times that were similar. Maybe they weren't as bad, but maybe they were just bad enough, and we can look back and we can remember, hey, you know what? God didn't leave me alone then. Why should I believe he's going to leave me alone now? He was in the boat with me then. He was in the middle of the storm with me then. He wasn't just a bystander watching me being tossed to and fro. No, he was right there then. He's right here now. We need to remember. Just stop and remember. And the longer that we get to, to, soak, to you know, per se, be in the shoot with Jesus or like be in the saddle, whatever cowboy metaphor we want to use, like the longer we get to do that, the more history we have and the more things we get to look back at, the longer our memory becomes, the more times that we get to look back and see the goodness of God. And so that's one of the beautiful things of following Jesus for a lifetime. We can see a lot of storms, but we can see a lot of times in which Jesus was bigger. So when the storms come, just stop and remember, look back. I think the second thing, though, the lesson that we do learn from the disciples here, even though he rebuked them for it, I still think the prescription is the same. Uh, we cry out to Jesus. 
We just cry out to Jesus. When the circumstance is blinding us, when fear is causing us to forget, when our memory will not look back because everything around us is screaming, you're going to die, I think we just cry out to Jesus. And maybe we don't go to him the same way that the disciples did and say, do you not even care about me? Are you not even concerned that I'm going to drown? Or do you not care at all? But we just go to Jesus and say, Jesus, you know what? I'm scared to death. I just need you. I just need you. And this is different from foxhole Christianity. It's not that, you know, the same idea of there's no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole, but like this is based on faith and belief. Maybe we can't remember it exactly when it happened before because fear has blinded us, but we can know for sure that it's real, and we just, we just cry out to Jesus, whatever it may be, and say, Jesus, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this. The third thing is this. I think... Um, and this is, this is probably the biggest exercise of, our, exercise of our faith. We trust him in the storm, but we trust him with the outcome. And this is where it gets hard. Because sometimes the storm will kill us. Sometimes the pain of the storm is massive. And it could claim our very life. But this is the beauty. When Jesus is in the boat, we have the privilege of not just seeing uh, the immediate, but we get to look to the eternal. We have the privilege of not just looking to the immediate, but we get to look to the eternal. We trust Jesus with the storm, but we trust him with the outcome. Because after all, he's the one who's working together all of those things for the good of those who love him, called according to his purpose. His good, not ours. And sometimes they look very different. We have to trust him that his good is the best good that we'll ever know. That his good is the only good that we need, even if it's contrary to everything that we've wanted in our past. We trust him with the storm, but we trust him with the outcome. On this particular night, the disciples may not have reached the other side. They may not have reached the shore, but it wouldn't have changed the goodness of God. It wouldn't have changed the goodness of God. Trust him in the storm. Trust him with the outcome. Man, there's, just as we have uh, the assurances that there will be storms, we also have several assurances in Scripture, and we can't go through all of those of just uh, that God's going to take care of us. He's going to provide. We've got a couple of those up here. Maybe make note. These are good ones to just kind of, man, to write in the front of your Bible. <laughs> when things are just going, man, they're just going down with the ship. These are good ones. Isaiah 41.10, it says, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my right hand. It says, even when you're too weak to stand, I will hold you up because I'm your God. I've got you. No matter what, I have you. A great one to write down. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Same idea. If our memory is failing us, we just need to cry out to God, and we just need to go to him and say, God, you know what? I'm struggling. Anxious right there maybe doesn't even do the feeling that we have justice. Maybe instead of just saying, hey, God, I'm anxious, we say, you know what, God, I'm scared. I think I'm going to die. Hear me. It says, with everything, wherever you are, cry out to God. Let him know. Tell him. There is no guilt, no shame in telling God, I am afraid. 
There's no guilt or no shame in telling God, I'm afraid. Even though he tells us, do not fear, over and over and over, we still take that weakness, that infirmity to Jesus and say, I'm scared. I know you've told me not to, but I'm scared. The disciples did it. We can do it too. Write that one down. John 16, is the next. And it says, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Man, everything that's going to come, every storm, he says, I've already beaten it. I've already beaten it. Every single one, every trial that you're going to face, even the ones that don't come from me to make you better, every one, I've already beaten them. I've already done it. The story is already written. Trust me in the process. We trust God in the storm. We trust him in the outcome. I think the fourth is this. Um, I think we need something to look back to. Like in the moments in which our fear is not overcoming our memory, when our brain can look back, like now we need to start building that history that we can look back to in the future. And I know that's crazy. That's like back to the future stuff. And I know it's going to warp your mind. But right now is going to be our past at some point. And in the future, when the storm comes, we need to be able to look back now and say, God, I remember. I remember that. I remember your provision now. I remember the things that you spoke to me then to help me with the future. And so what that means is like now we, we need to begin like a life that relies on prayer. We need to begin a life right now. If you haven't started, begin a life right now in which if you're anxious or if there's something going on, you, you take it to God now. And it's not, maybe not just in, in the, the difficulty, maybe not just in the storms, but on a daily basis, begin a pattern in which you are having a conversation daily with God. The things that he's done great, the things that you're struggling with, just the peace that you have that he authored. Take those things to God. Have that conversation. Begin to tell God, God, I agree with you. I want what you want. I will chase it like you chase it. Thank you for being the author of all these things. Thank you for overcoming anything that I've experienced. Begin a pattern of prayer now so that down the road when the storms come, we can look back, remember the provision. The second is, um, just like he tells us in John, that, that he is the vine and we are the branches. If we abide in him, he will abide in us. Uh, abide in the scriptures, like live in those. Make those the source of our wisdom, our knowledge, our strength, our very backbone. Understand that scripture wasn't given here just to tell us a story, but scripture was given, us, given here to give us structure to how we think, how we believe, and what we know about God deeply, personally, intimately. Begin to build that structure by getting into scripture regularly, directly. Don't rely on others to spoon-feed you your spine. Find it in Scripture. Allow the Holy Spirit to feed you, to guide you, to direct you, but let God build your spine, build your structure through Scripture. So we pray, and then we, we dig. And then the third, man, um, build a pattern in which uh, our life echoes that family, that community, that biblical family is important. Like it's big. Like we were not called to be isolated believers following Jesus by ourselves. There's nowhere in Scripture that can testify to that. Not a single place. Even if you have bad hermeneutics, there's no way, nowhere in Scripture to where you can make it look like we were created to be isolated followers of Jesus. Because it's always been about a people, a people that God's come to redeem, not a person. 
And so we need to, to build this life, this foundation that says, it's not just my, uh, my little nucleus family that it's important, but it's the family that God has grafted me into by the Spirit of God. The same grace that binds me to God binds me to my brothers and sisters. Make a life, build a life, believe in a life in which that's important. Because here's the other thing. As cliche as this sounds, there will be days in which the storm is so bad, you can't paddle for yourself. And so you need somebody else to do it. I mean, that's how bad storms get. Trusting God in the storm with the outcome. Sometimes the outcome is you don't have it. You can't do it. God can do it through other people around you. And we have to trust in that. Man, if you're relying on yourself to get through this life, you're going to fail. We're going to fail. We can't do it like that. We were not intended to do it like that. Begin a life that builds in patterns of prayer, being in Scripture, allowing God to build your structure, to build your, uh, to build your backbone with Scripture, but then be in a life, too, in which you have other people that are going to go through the storms with you. They're going to be there. And I look back at my storms. Um, see my wife, always there. I look back and I see friends that don't live here anymore but lived other places and in the darkest times. Just something as simple as your porch or mine. You know, just something that simple. Something as simple as just, hey, you want to grab coffee and just talk and have the ability to say, you know what? I don't have it right now. Can't do it. And for somebody else to pick up that oar and row a big deal. It's a big deal. Storms will come, guaranteed. Jesus is bigger, guaranteed. But we will endure them better when we put in the work now for the future, guaranteed. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you are You're bigger than the storms. We thank you, God, that you just can't rebuke us, which we need so desperately, but God, you can even rebuke circumstance. You can tell the winds, the waves to cease and to stop, and they hear you and they listen. God, for those of us that may be in the middle of one of these storms now that are just being tossed to and fro and we we feel like we have no control, Father, I pray that you would let us cry out to you that we don't have any control that we need you and that we need each other. God, I pray that we would cry out, even though we know that you care, God, we'd still go to you and say, I'm drowning, I'm struggling, help me. God, thank you for being faithful to hear the prayers of your children. Thank you for being faithful to address not just our hearts, but our circumstance. Thank you for being willing to speak into our lives for eternity. God, we love you. We thank you. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.